0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Spill It, the Gwinnett County Public Library's podcast all about YA literature, where two of us love YA and one does not. I'm Catherine, teen services librarian, and I love YA. I'm Patty, youth services manager, and I also love YA.
1: And I'm Sarah, youth services specialist, and I'm the one that does not. Sorry. Maybe one of these you <laughs> You're getting used to it now.
0: I'm giving up. So let's talk about what we're reading right now. I just finished reading Finale, the last book in the Caraval series by Stephanie Carver. And I will say I loved this series. It was so easy to read, and you really get immersed into the world and the characters of the story. I I hope the author continues to write more books in this world because I'd like to know more about all of the fates. And now after finishing the series, I can say you can technically read Once Upon a Broken Heart without reading Caraval. But you do miss out on so much of Jax's backstory and how the fates were made and what their weaknesses may be. Uh, there is a brief mention of the, you know, turning to stone incident from Once Upon a Broken Heart. So it was kind of cool to see how they link together. But I would, I would like to know more about the different fates. Well, hopefully that's coming. Yes. What are you reading, Sarah?
1: I um, just finished a book called The Thief by Megan Whelan Turner, and it's a fantasy book, and it's part of a series but that um, has at least six books in it, but I did enjoy this first one. It's about a thief named Eugenides, and uh, he gets caught stealing something because he brags about what a great thief he is and how he's the best at it, and then he gets a visit in the dungeon from the king's magus who wants his help on a quest to find a lost and very powerful object. So it's a good story. It's got a lot of twists and turns. If you like that kind of quest story, you might enjoy The Thief. What about you, Patty?
2: So I am reading The Raven Boys by Maggie Stiefvater. This is a reread for me, but my friend Karen is listening to these books for the first time, and she keeps talking about them. (laughs) And it made me want to go back and reread the entire Raven Cycle. And the, um, the last book in the series about Ronan, the second series, is due out this year, and so I am um, ready to be destroyed by that book. Um, these are, let's see, hmm, how do I describe the Raven Boys? <laughs> I'm just going to read the synopsis on the back because it's easier to do that because I will um, go on for quite some time about these books if given the chance. It's... Says There are only two reasons a non-seer would see a spirit on St. Mark's Eve. Either you're his true love or you killed him. It is freezing in the churchyard even before the dead arrive. Every year, Blue Sargent stands next to her clairvoyant mother as the soon-to-be dead walk past. Blue herself never sees them, not until this year, when a boy emerges from the dark and speaks directly to her. His name is Gansey, and Blue soon discovers that he's a rich student at Aglonby, the local private school. Blue has a policy of staying away from Aglonby boys. Known as Raven boys, they can only mean trouble. But Blue is drawn to Gansey in a way she can't entirely explain. He has it all—family, money, good looks, devoted friends—but he's looking for much more than that. He is on a quest that has encompassed three other Raven boys— Adam, the scholarship student who resents all the privilege around him, Ronan, the fierce soul who ranges from anger to despair, and Noah, the taciturn watcher of the four, who notices many things but says very little. For as long as she can remember, Blue has been warned that she will cause her true love to die. She never thought this would be a problem, but now, as her life becomes caught up in the strange and sinister world of the Raven Boys, she's not so
0: sure anymore.
2: I really love Maggie Stiefvater's books. I do,
0: too. This is a favorite of mine, and I do want to reread them as well. I just just had to, because Karen keeps talking about it, and I'm like, "Mm." I really think Sarah should read them. Um, let me add it to the pile. <laughs> <laughs> but they're so good. They are, really, they are really good. I think you'll like it. It involves like a Welsh king from history and like a maybe like a lost treasure type of deal or something. There's I don't know. I do fantasy. enjoy treasure hunt. You might. Yeah.
2: I love every single adult in her books. They are delightful. Yes. But
0: now that we've. Talked for a while about the Raven Boys. (laughs) (laughs) I told you, I could go on forever. (laughs) Maybe we should get into today's topic. So in the last episode, I chose For Everyone to Read, Not My Problem by Kiara Smith. And I really felt after the last few episodes, we really needed some funny or something humorous. And this book really did that for me. I was definitely laughing out loud while reading this one. But let's go ahead and do the cover talk and then I'll share the synopsis and we can get into our discussion. It's kind of a generic cover. I think it's got a bluish background that looks like it's in front of the school. It looks like bleachers or maybe the stairs leading up to the school. And then there's a trio in the background climbing over a fence. And I'm really hoping it's stairs, even though it looks more like bleachers to me. Because if you're climbing over the fence at the top of a set of bleachers, that's where, de- where, where are, are you, you going? going? <laughs> I'm like, that's a fall
2: to your death, probably. And believe that this is, that's not this kind of book. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then the only thing really in color on the front of the cover is Aideen. So, I mean, I guess that's kind of cool since she is the main focus of the story. But other than that, I don't really have any strong... Feelings or opinions, other than the, you know, fall to the death if you climb over the top of bleachers.
2: (laughs) This is one of those, it looks like a generic YA book. I probably wouldn't have picked it up if you had not recommended it. Right, same. Yeah,
0: I just feel
1: like it's sort of uh, white noise. It sort of just blends with the rest of those type of books.
0: And I guess before we get all the way into it, I guess there's a couple trigger warnings for this one. There is parental alcohol abuse. Uh, There's some codependency. Language. If that's a thing that you care about, there is language. But here's a synopsis. Aideen has plenty of problems she can't fix. Her best and only friend is pulling away. Her mother's drinking problem is a constant concern. She's even running out of outlandish diseases to fake so she can skip PE. But when Aideen stumbles on her nemesis, overachiever, Maeve Kowalska, in the midst of a full-blown meltdown, she sees a problem that, unlike her own disaster of a life, seems refreshingly easy to solve. Maeve is desperate to escape her crushing pile of extracurriculars, and Aideen volunteers to help by pushing Maeve down the stairs. Problem solved. Maeve's sprained ankle is the perfect excuse to ditch her overwhelming schedule, but when another student learns about their little scheme and brings Aideen another client who needs her help, it kicks off a semester of traded favors, ill-advised hijinks, and an unexpected chance at love. Fixing other people's problems won't fix her own, but it might be the push she needs to start. So I think I've made my feelings about the book pretty clear. I really, really liked this one and found it quite funny, especially all of her excuses for getting out of gym class. Those were the best. I loved those. <laughs> <laughs> they were very clever. I also thought it was great that it had queer representation without it being, you know, the problem of the story that had to be fixed or overcome. It's just it's just part of her, and it's, it's just accepted. In yeah. the book, I really liked that. It was kind right. of refreshing. But I also loved all the friendships in here. Yeah. Like, especially her new group of friends, because she kind of had maybe a toxic friendship with her f- sort of former best friend, I guess. Yeah. And I don't know, the new place she's in with her new friends, I feel like is just so good. They do a very good job of allowing you to easily compare and contrast those friendships without
2: being kind of in your face about it. Like, even Aideen needs to figure out that these people want to be her friends, and that they not just want to be her friends; that they are her friends. She doesn't have to just rely on Holly, and yeah, Holly is kind of um, yeah. I, I would say toxic. I don't know if I'd go
1: so far as to say toxic, but I think that they've gotten all they can out of the friendship with each other, and I think that it's just kind of naturally at its end, and it's turned a little bit sour, and it's definitely a one more one sided. Yes. then I think um, Aideen would
2: like. I do think maybe that it's that kind of friendship that in a year or two, maybe not even a year, th- they could be friends again. Yeah. Holly just has to
0: like get used to Aideen having a life and friends. and That's what I was going to say. That's kind of why I call it toxic because Holly was definitely using her and she now has a new friend and they're not really very nice to Aideen. No. I think it's one of those ones that'll settle out as you get older, though, because this is very high school. But it is not doing
1: anything good for her right now. No, No. I got the impression that Holly genuinely likes her and likes the friendship, but it's just kind of one of those things. But but Aideen is not her priority anymore. And I think that for Aideen, Holly was her priority. I think there maybe even was a little crush there. It sort of hinted at that. So, yeah, I think it feels one-sided and, but at the you know, when they do have a confrontation about that, I feel like Holly indicated that she wants to change or wants the relationship to kind of uh, recover a little bit.
2: And I do feel like that they are, the book sets up, and it's very clear that they were and have been very close friends. And Holly knows a lot about adeen and what adeen is going through and all that stuff. And and I think that's a friendship that could possibly survive. <laughs>
1: I mean, Holly should not be on the friendship poster, but... I don't think she's like, like are we making a friendship poster? <laughs> if you had a poster child that was like this is what a good friend oh, is. Okay.
0: And you can't see it, but Sarah is definitely doing some posing right here. <laughs> right? She's got a, an arm <laughs> over her head and an arm in front of her chest. I don't really know what that means about. It's, I'm a good friend. I'm, a, <laughs> I'm your pal. Friends
2: tango or something. I don't it's very that spanish
0: is. dancer sort of looking.
2: <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> I, I don't think
1: she's like the epitome of a good friend, for sure. But I really like Kavi.
2: Oh, yeah. I love Kavi. <laughs> he might yeah. be my favorite character in the
0: whole book. Um, He's very genuine. Mm-hmm. So naive, but fun. Do we yes. want to
2: go down, just kind of, for people who haven't read this book, who, who these people are. <laughs> There's Dean. She is the main character. It, everything is about her. Her best friend, Holly, who we have covered. The toxic friend, there's Mave, not toxic. Not toxic.
0: I, I'm still calling her toxic. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Maeve is the overachiever who
0: Adine uh, helps, and Kavi, well, nemesis. Well, yes, but then she helps, who then maybe turns into something more.
2: I would say she's not really her nemesis. She's Holly's nemesis, and Adine just kind of accepts her as a nemesis because she's
0: attached to Holly. That is true. Goes back to that toxicity. <laughs> okay, <then. laughs> I'm just kidding.
2: And those are the, the main characters. But I also really love that there's a whole supporting cast of characters of, like, Orla, who is... I love Orla. The girl who's... She's in show choir. No, it's dance. She's the dance girl. And there is a show choir girl. And there's the the popular Instagram influencer girl and <laughs> her cousin. And she just... Aideen kind of, when she opens up and starts doing these favors for people... People get to know her and I think Aideen is just genuinely likable and a nice person and and she didn't realize that once she kind of lets her guard down and starts letting people in they actually do like her and she makes friends. This book made me laugh so hard. I listened to it and the reader is absolutely delightful she it's set in Ireland and she definitely she has that Irish accent so when you're listening to the book you get the the accents and it's just delightful I'm gonna see if I can find the reader's name
0: I also listen to it and it really does I don't know set the scene better because you're hearing the accents one I never would have known how to pronounce Maeve yeah (laughs) it is spelled M-E-A-B-H
2: thank you
1: Looked it up. Because I did read the read the print version. But I tried to in my head imagine their Irish accents.
2: This book really reminded me of the show Dairy Girls. I don't know if you've if you've seen that. It's available on Netflix. It is set in Ireland during the Troubles, like around nineteen ninety five, and it's about a group of high school friends and they go to a private Catholic school because they're Catholic. It's a private Catholic school and it, Dean reminds me a lot of there's one that's always getting in trouble and is is the hooligan-ish of the bunch. And Aden reminds me a lot of her. And a lot of the, the comedy and the things they get into reminds me a lot of that show. So if you're a fan
0: of Dairy Girls, I think you would like this book a lot. Oh, I was going to say I also liked Daniel. And I was trying to find his name. That's the one that they help uh, get to the party. Yeah. Or, or get a sneak out of the house or sneak is he sneaking out of the house at he's, that he's point? trying yeah. to sneak out of the house yeah. it doesn't quite work it,
2: it, no sneaking is definitely not involved by the end of it they they're just running
0: <laughs> but the goody two-shoe Mave even gets in on it so yes and she comes in to rescue
2: And I will say, I think one of the things I enjoyed about this book is it is very funny and they get into all sorts of of hilarious hijinks, but all of the stuff that they do and all of the hijinks and stuff, none of it's super serious, none of it's super bad. Like, yes, it would have big ramifications, like sneaking into the school to like get their phone back after it's been confiscated. Yeah, you're breaking into the school and that that would be a big problem if you get caught. But like, ultimately they're not there to cause any trouble. And I I like that this book is, the humor is just very, um, not wholesome, but you know what I mean. It's just, it's teenage hijinks. I yeah. could see myself getting into these problems if I was that age.
0: I think wholesome's okay. I mean, I know there's there's language and that kind of stuff going on in it too, but I still find it wholesome because I think it's totally relatable. Well, it makes a good counterweight to the heavy part of the story, which yeah. is Aideen and her mom. That's what I was going to say. And I think they tackled the codependency of her mother and her ab- alcohol abuse pretty well with Aideen. I mean, I think they did a good job representing it. It felt very real. You really felt for Aideen yeah and you could see what she was going through and why maybe she was doing some of the things she was doing in her life on top of the alcohol abuse she also had like the relationships with another toxic relationship really with Aideen's father, right? yeah, that was not that a was great just like a really messed up situation that mm-hmm. she just kept putting herself back in and then by default dragging Aideen back into it like so. I mean, it all felt very real, and I liked how it was, like, broken up. Like, they were these serious moments, but then there was all the humor, like the real teenage hijinks, and I thought it was good. Yeah. It definitely made me
2: understand a little bit more about why Aideen is doing, like, as she is in in school. It also, this book never really addresses it, but I do kind of wonder if Aideen has some sort of undiagnosed um, learning disability cuz she's she's very smart like like we were saying we were joking about the notes that get her out of PE that she she comes up with all these diseases and she doesn't make them up she comes up with these diseases and she knows enough about them to like well some of them <laughs> to come up with like why they prevent her from participating in PE and i think she's smart yeah but and she's just she's missed time cuz she's been out taking care of her mom but i also think there was something she said about them when they were, um, Maeve was teaching her math. Something about how, like, it made me think maybe she had dyslexia. Maybe.
0: Mm, I didn't get that. I, I did also, like, she had other um, adult figures in her life. Like, her teacher seemed to really care. Yeah. Like, above and beyond care. Like, even did, like, a home check, came to see how she was doing. So, I thought that was good that that positive influence was there. Um. But, yeah, I don't know if it was just all the school she was having to miss because of her mom. She didn't really have a very present mother. So, I mean, yeah. uh, and I, I don't know if amount. that added to it, too, because I don't know, like, even when t- in her younger years, how present was her mom then? How was, was she making sure she was doing her schoolwork? Was she helping her with her reading? Was she helping her with? I would think a so. couple of
1: things are at play in my mind. One
0: is that you don't
1: have the energy anymore after you've, been dealing with the anxiety that she's carrying around over is Mm -hmm. this the time that my mom's going to fall off the wagon and you know is this the time that my dad's going to mess everything up again so you don't really have energy left to care about you know or put that into your schoolwork. and then also because you're dealing with some big real life problems solving an algebra problem feels very insignificant and like why waste my time on this I would think that that's some of it.
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I like that the book ends in a way that is, it doesn't wrap everything up with
0: a nice, neat bow, but it ends in a hopeful note. And that ties into, I did find you a good standalone, Sarah. You
1: did find me a good standalone, but Aideen is still what I would refer to as a practical orphan because she has an absent father and a mother who, you know, while physically present, is emotionally unavailable because of her her own issues.
0: Right. So I mean, I'm trying though. You are trying. <laughs> we made some progress. We
1: ticked off one of the boxes. We did check one of the boxes. There's also a little bit, I don't know if I'd go as far as to say enemies to lovers storyline, but there's a little bit of that going on in this too, which is not always my favorite.
0: At least in this one it's not like a true enemy. Right. Like That's why I say it's just kind realized, of dipping hey, its
1: toe into that, but not not really fully there. I don't know
0: why I didn't like you because actually you're quite you're quite great. Yeah.
1: There was some definitely it's more like the Pride and Prejudice type where yeah. we have made assumptions about one another and now we're gonna find out those assumptions were incorrect.
2: Oh, I always thought Pride and Prejudice was about like she saw his house and was like, Hey, this is a nice house. And then she gets married to him. Okay, you need to reread that. I was going <laughs> to say, did you read Pride <laughs> and Prejudice? Yes. Multiple times and seen the movies. And she doesn't
0: like him until she sees his house.
1: Uh huh. Okay, then. Think,
0: granted, other things happen then. I was too. like, but I was going to say, there's other things that happen between her hating him and seeing his house that might make her like him. Well, he doesn't <laughs> give the world's worst proposal. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So when I was doing research on this one, I noticed that Kiara Smith was credited on Goodreads for writing a book on European asylum law. And in her author description in both Goodreads and Fantastic Fiction, she comments on this. And I think the one on Fantastic Fiction is what caught my attention first and what I think is the funniest. Because she says, Kiara Smith has done many things, but writing a book about European asylum law is not one of them goodreads doesn't believe this though so from now on i'm taking credit for it <laughs> <laughs> and i just thought that was funny so clearly humor is her thing i like it yeah
2: yeah there was just she has a really lovely turn of phrase like you can just hear adine's sense of humor is very dry and
0: well maybe that's why i relate to ad and i feel like i'm very dry it, it feels very <laughs> irish um and it's It's just so funny.
2: Just the way she phrases things is so funny. I just like, like, even the first page, I knew I was going to like it when she was like, it started with Mabe Kowalska having a temper tantrum in the girl's changing room. You know a Mabe Kowalska, trust me. The intense overachiever type with no hobbies other than winning. The girl who will either run the world or become a supervillain dedicated to destroying it. Or maybe they're the same thing. She was weeping. No, not weeping. She was wailing and writhing on the floor. And I'm just like, I just love just, anyway.
1: So if you liked Not My Problem, what other books should you read? Catherine? I have a couple, actually. Um, They're humor
0: books I've read recently that I would definitely recommend. I don't know if they're like true read-alikes to this one, but they are both humorous and I think... Most people would find them enjoyable, I hope. I can always use some humor. Yep. The first is Tremendous Things by Susan Nielsen. It's a coming-of-age story about the comically clueless Wilbur, or Will. He's never quite recovered from or escaped the humiliation of an event that happened on the first day of middle school, where an embarrassing letter was shared with the entire school. Now he's in ninth grade. He has only his good friend Alex, who is busy with his new boyfriend, and his best friend Sal, his elderly neighbor. Also, Will's in the school band where he plays the triangle. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the triangle is the funniest instrument. Yep. And this year they're doing an exchange program with a school in Paris, and his exchange partner, Charlie, is due to visit. Well, it turns out Charlie is a girl who plays the ukulele and burps with abandon. Will, of course, falls for her, but Charlie only likes him as a friend. Will's friend, Sal, Alex and his boyfriend Fabrizio host a Queer Eye-style intervention (laughs) to boost his confidence before the band visits Paris so he can impress Charlie and maybe replace his past humiliation with a bit of romance. And I think maybe my favorite part of this whole thing, besides the triangle and other bits, um, is his, his friendship with Sal. It's just so great.
1: Mm -hmm. that's
0: a good one i know (laughs) see so i think maybe you should read this and you're just laughing at the description i I do think
1: though that the didgeridoo is funnier than
0: the triangle (laughs) that's a whole nother story (laughs) i will fight you all right and my second one is this will be funny someday by katie henry 16 year old izzy is used to keeping her thoughts to herself in school where her boyfriend does the talking for her and at home where it's impossible to compete with her older siblings. But when she accidentally walks into a stand-up comedy club and performs, the experience is surprisingly cathartic. After the show, she meets Mo, an aspiring comic who's everything Izzy's not, bold, confident, comfortable in her own skin. Mo invites Izzy to join her group of friends and introduces her to the Chicago open mic scene. The only problem? They're all college students, and Izzy tells them she is too. As all of this is going on, her controlling boyfriend gets suspicious, and as her two parallel lives collide in, of course, hilarious ways, Izzy has to decide to either hide what she really wants and who she is or finally stand up for herself. What about you, Patty?
2: So my read-alike, again, I went for one that is more similar just in humor as opposed to in content. It is an older book. It came out in 2011. It is called Beauty Queens by Libba Bray. I love this book. This I went back and reread it when I was looking for a a read alike, and I still think it is funny. Um, I will read the synopsis because it's there is so much happening in this book to try to describe it, it is difficult. A teen beauty queens. Mm -hmm. A lost island, mysteries and dangers, no access to email, and the spirit of fierce, feral competition that lives deep in the heart of every girl. A savage brutality that can only be revealed by a journey into the heart of non-exfoliated darkness. The horror. The horror. When a plane crash strands 13 teen beauty contestants on a mysterious island, they struggle to survive to get along with one another, to combat the island's other diabolical occupants, and to learn the dance numbers just in case they're rescued in time for the competition. This book, Libra Bray's sense of humor is crazy. It is all over the place. And this book is very much a, it's like if you took Drop Dead Gorgeous Mean Girls and Lord of the Flies and put it in a blender... <laughs> This would be the product of that. There's there's a reality TV show competition involving pirates. There are evil people living on this island that are trying to take out the teen girls. And these teen girls are beauty queens, which means they are going to be the best survivors of a plane crash ever. And that is Miss Texas. And she is going to whip them into shape. And she is, by God, when they get rescued, they are going to look amazing. And they're going to survive. And it's everything kind of goes um, off the rails (laughs) a little bit, even more than a plane crash would lead you to believe. There is, it's just a wonderful group of girls, and each one is very unique and different. And this book about teen beauty queens is probably one of the most feminist books I have read, (laughs) which sounds very strange, but it is, I laughed. Through the whole thing, it is absolutely ridiculous, and it's a lot of fun. And if you like Not My Problem and you like the humor in Not My Problem, I think you will like the humor in Beauty Queens. It's dry and ridiculous, and, and even though the stakes are a little higher because stranded on a desert island, it feels very similar. What about you, Sarah?
1: I read one that is called Fat Vampire, colon, A Never Coming of Age Story by Adam Rex. And the synopsis is, after being bitten by a vampire, not only is 15-year-old Doug doomed eternally to be fat, but now he must also save himself from the desperate host of a public access cable vampire hunting television show that is on the verge of cancellation. So this book um, is really about Doug and his friend Jay and uh, Doug trying to navigate what it is to be a vampire without at least at the beginning, trying to hurt people. And uh, it is funny. It's funnier at the beginning than it is at the end, I will say, and because Doug, as a protagonist, isn't really always the most likable of fellows. Um, but I do think it's worth a read, or in my case, a listen. I listened to the audiobook version. But if you like vampires and a little bit of humor with your vampires, maybe check out Fat vampire by adam rex there's a different book also called fat vampire
0: by a different author you want the adam rex version so now we're at the part of the episode where we'll assign our next book choice and this time it's patty's turn so take it away patty
2: next time we're going to read a graphic novel and the one i picked is check please by Ngozi ukazu uh, this is there's two books the first one is hashtag hockey and the second book is sticks and scones this is a story about Eric Biddle a former junior figure skater who goes to Samwell College and plays on the men's hockey team. He is from Georgia, and he is a pie baker, and it is the story of his four years at college.
1: So now that we've shared our opinions with you, do you want to share your opinions with us? Spill Lit has a new email address where you can send us a message. Tell us what you like about the show, recommend a book for us to read, share your opinion about a book that we've already reviewed, or just say hi. Everyone who sends us an email will be entered into a drawing to win a free YA book. Our email address is spillit, that's S-P-I-L-L-L, that's three L's, I-T, at Gwinnettpl.org. Write today. We'd love to hear from you.
2: This has been another episode of Spill Lit by the Gwinnett County Public Library. I'm Patty, I'm Catherine. And I'm Sarah. And we want you to join us next time when we spill the tea on graphic novels. Remember to like, review, and subscribe. And until next time, keep reading.